Jess, Trey, Amy, Quinn, Ray, Leah, Maddie, Ray, Lily, Charlie, Faye, M, Bryce, Daniela, Elena, Marshall. Hey everyone, it's Ash and Liz, and you're talking with my puzzle pieces. Hey guys, welcome back. Today I am here with Ray. Hello. <laughs> it's funny because some people are like, they answer really fast and they're like, hi. And then some of you are very like tentative about like, I think I'm supposed to say hi here. I, yeah, I guess I'm 100% sure. Always say hi. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, so anyway, this is Ray. Ray was one of the puzzle pieces that I met much earlier on, maybe like the third question mark? I think so. Pretty Something like that. Pretty early. Pretty early. Um, she was definitely one of the like first group of a handful of them that mm -hmm. I met. Um, so Ray, we've been starting with everybody with giving a little bit of like a physical description so that people have an idea of like being able to picture who we're talking to. Okay. So what would you like our good friends out there in the world to know about what you look like on the inside? Hmm. Um, I'm not, I don't know, I'm pretty, like, fair-skinned. Um, what age does your body look-ish inside? Me? Yeah, like, are you, I, I don't know, when I met you, you were young. Yeah. But I don't think you're as young as you used to be, so I'm not um, like, sure how you're presenting right now. Like 15, 16. Okay, so like mid-teenager-ish. Yeah. Okay. All right, so you're a fair-skinned mid-teenager. Yes. <laughs> what color is your hair? Um, My hair is like dark on top and it fades to purple on the bottom. I like it a lot. Like a, um, like a, like a like darker a bright, purple or like a brighter? Like a bright purple. Okay. That's a lot sassier than the Ray I first met would have been. Yeah, um, I like it. You first met me, it was probably more just like, just black, just mm -hmm. like dark, long, dark hair. That's what I remember you guys describing it as. Yeah, it's long and way. like, kind of like, it's straight, but it has like a little bit of body to it. It's not like, not like completely straight. straight. Yeah, it's not like, like stick straight. Mm -hmm. Okay. And like, past your shoulders, how long is your hair? Yeah, it's past my shoulders. It's pretty long. But not like Rapunzel. No, not quite that long, <laughs> but it's long. What color are your eyes? Um, they're like a deep, I don't know, like full brown color. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. What's your style like? What do you like to wear? Um, I wear a lot of like leggings and like they're and like I don't know, like big sweatshirts or really long t-shirts. So you're a visco girl, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't make that annoying noise that um, some of my patients used to make when they to be a visco girl because that makes me crazy. I don't even. I wouldn't even know how to make that. Noise. Oh, I'm so glad. It's bad oh. noise, you guys. I'm sorry if you're a visco girl and you like the noise, but it's not good and you shouldn't do it. But that, I don't know, to me that's not like authentic, like you're choosing to make that noise, it's weird. I, I agree, I don't know that you're exactly a visco girl, but I think that describes sort of the style you were talking about. Yeah, before. yeah, I think that would be accurate. What about footwear? What do you put on your toesies? Um, I wear really like Converse or like 
yeah, I guess a lot of converse, like that kind of style. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like a lot of your style is just is very comfortable. Yeah, like practical, but. What makeup are you, do you wear a lot of makeup? Um, yeah, I like makeup. I wear like a good amount of it. Um, not like Jess or Bray, I don't wear quite that much. Mm -hmm. um, but I do wear some. Okay. And I don't really, I feel like Bray is much more into like the eyeshadow and like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm more like plain when it comes to that, but I do like like mascara and like the eyeliner. Okay. All right. Um, but so I don't wear a lot of like cover up or concealer or like I don't do all of that jazz. Well, because you're still a beautiful little teenager and you don't need to. I don't know if I would anyway. Like, <laughs> I don't know. My skin's really light. If so. you um, choose the makeup for the body, do you tend to wear less makeup? Or what does that look like if you were the one? Yeah, I don't here? wear like bronzer and highlighter and all that jazz. Okay. Like, I wear a little bit of cover up if we need it, but mm -hmm. like, I don't. I don't tend to put on a lot of makeup. Okay. Like, I like that if you can tell I'm wearing makeup, but I don't want it to be, like, the focal point. Yeah, like, I don't know. I feel like Jess and Bray, like, have a lot of fun, like, spending time on their makeup mm -hmm. and picking eyeshadow palettes and mm -hmm. things like that. And I don't, like, I don't care about that part as much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. They've both done my makeup, and I think they get more of a kick out of it than probably I do, too. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anything else we should know about how you look? I don't think so. I didn't have any other questions, but I, sometimes I forget things. I don't talking. have, um, like, any piercings. Okay. What about tattoos? Do you any of those? Um, yeah, I have a few. Okay. Anything you want to share with the class? Um, maybe not, like, specifics, but I have a lot of, um, I think I have, like, three or four, I have to remember, four different, like, writings. Okay. Like, your own writings? Yeah. And that's something that ultimately the body wants to do too, right? Is have, um, yeah, choose like a portion of one of your poems. Yeah, we'd like to choose like a section of one mm -hmm. and get it tattooed. Probably not a ton of them. Mm -hmm. Maybe another one like on a, like a smaller one somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that's really cool. I would, I would love to do that myself sometime to yeah. find one of your poems that felt right and get some of the words tattooed on me too. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so... What what do you like to do? What do you do both on the inside and the outside just, like, for fun? Um, I really, 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 really <laughs> like music. You do really a like lot. music. A lot. So I like to sing and um, to listen to music. I listen to a lot of, like, indie folk. Mm -hmm. um, I listen to a lot of, like, Rocky Badalato. And um, I like... Another one I like, but I'm blanking on it. Hey, Quinn, tell her what she likes. <laughs> Ray and Quinn have similar taste in music, so my guess was that yeah. Quinn would be able to help fill the gap. Um, oh, Head in the Heart. Sure, yeah. Um, so, yeah, just, um, I don't know, just, like, anything that's, like, slightly different, I like to listen to it and get a feel for it. Mm-hmm. Well, and when I first met you, you were really hesitant about singing. You weren't confident in your voice. And I wouldn't describe you as confident in your voice now, but I think that you've grown a lot in that in your willingness to like sing and have people hear you sing. And I love your voice. I think it's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I think I feel a lot better about it now. It's still scary. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but yeah, I do enjoy singing. Um, and I, I enjoy writing. I like writing all kinds of things. I mean, I write a lot on the side. Not stuff that I'd necessarily save. I just like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just writing to write. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ray is an amazing writer. Um, I wish that I could get the like rhythm and poetry of words the way she does. I think that, that I write also, but not, it's very different style of writing than how Ray writes. And I, I love it. I think that you do a really good job, Ray, of capturing the emotion so that when, when you read it, people feel with you. Um, it's not like a sympathy thing. Like it's, you can feel right along with the writer. And I think that's, that's so powerful. Yeah. It's nice to write on the inside. Sometimes it's a little bit different. Like I feel like when I come out and write, like sometimes it's just my stuff, but sometimes it's like I'm writing other people's words too, Mm -hmm. or like I can feel what they're feeling and I put it into words for them. Yeah. I think that's something that other people have talked about is how sometimes you give voice to things that other people don't know how to be able to do that themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So when, um, when I like had first met Ray, Um, and read some of her poems, I knew they were really, really amazing. And um, the pieces and I ended up doing a presentation at one point. And Ray got up in front of actually colleagues and read poems that um, they didn't realize were her own. They just thought they were just poems written by by a teen. Um, But but she got up and read her own own words about some of the struggles that she's been through. Do you want to say anything about that? Or should we leave it? Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it, I think there was a comfort in knowing that they didn't know they were mine. And mm-hmm. I think someday I'd like to be able to say like, these are mine, but it felt like a good first step to like share my words and see how people reacted, mm-hmm. um, without them knowing it was me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I was so proud of you because the, even without them knowing they were yours, there was such a huge amount of vulnerability to get up there and, and read them yourself. And my impression of the reaction was incredibly positive with people like actually getting a better understanding of something that a lot of times, even therapists, they maybe have some like book knowledge about like trauma or suicide or self-harm or some of those concepts, but they don't always have the like gut, like feeling it with you knowledge if you haven't worked with that population. Mm -hmm. And that was what I saw when I was watching people listen to your poems was that like well, shit, like, this is, this is intense, and I don't know, it was really cool. So someday, you guys, Ray's gonna have a book of poems, and we're all gonna buy it, (laughs) because it's gonna be great, Um, but not for, not for young children, probably, because it'll be graphic and intense, and all of the things that make her poems so amazing. Um, So yeah, let's see, what else? Are there other things that you like to do? I like the stars. That was actually going to be something I talked about. I like being out at night and just there's something peaceful about a night sky when you can see like the stars and the moon and I'm not big into like astrology or astronomy or anything like that, but just something about like there's a peacefulness and like seeing like the Mm -hmm. bigger world. Yeah. And um, when we were younger, that's actually something we used to go sit Um, in one of our houses, um, our room like, led out onto, like, part of the roof a little bit because the second floor, like, didn't go across the whole house. Mm-hmm. So there was, like, a, the, like, kitchen area went out a little bit and so I could crawl out of my window, mm-hmm. like, onto the lower part of the roof. Yeah. Um, 
and it was nice like we could just go sit out there and it was like really really peaceful to me and mm-hmm. so yeah um, I think you're right that there's there or can be at least something about the stars that's like comforting or I don't know protective somehow almost yeah it just I don't know there's just something about it for mm-hmm. me when I was young, um, there's a, a while in my life where I had this star that, like, I could see from my bedroom window when I was, like, going to bed at night. And I sort of assigned that star as, like, God. And, like, I knew it wasn't really God, but I would talk to God like he was, like, watching me from that star. And it, there was just something so comforting about, like, having this, like, visual, I don't know, thing that was there to talk to. Um, but I was, I was going to bring up the stars with you because I remember... One of the, like, really early on memories I have with you is you talking about how you hadn't been outside in so long. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I think we, like, just took you out, like, on the balcony at night to see the stars. But do you remember when we took you for the walk in the park? Yeah. So she had said, like, she hadn't been outside and she really wanted to be. But you were also, I think, sort of stuck out at that point and scared and a little bit messy. And we went for a walk in the park. And what was that like for you? Um, initially, like, really scary and, like... Yeah, you held my hand real tight. Yeah, it was, mm-hmm. um, it was a lot mm-hmm. to be out and that, like, that present. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be in public, I hadn't, it was something I hadn't done in a very, very long mm-hmm. time. So that felt kind of terrifying. Did we do that too soon? Like, should we have waited a little bit longer before we? Because I think I kind of like was like, oh well, then let's go. We're doing this now. And I think that some of the things I've learned the more I've gotten to you know you and other people is like maybe sometimes my impulse is to like jump ahead. And I don't know if I always, especially in the beginning with you guys, knew enough to like wait until you were ready. Um. I don't know if it was too soon. Um, It's really hard to say, I guess, like Mm -hmm. now. Um, Like maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it wasn't a complete disaster, so that's good. Yeah. (laughs) I think the hard part with me being, I used to get stuck out where like I couldn't get back in. Mm -hmm. And I think that makes it hard because like when you're stuck out, it feels like there's only a limited amount of things you can do. Mm-hmm. And so I think there was a little bit of freedom in like being able to do something other than just sit in the house. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, so I think like maybe it could have waited, but I also know if it was wrong timing exactly. I, for me, it was, it was amazing um, to see you see something and experience something that you hadn't in so long and that I knew meant a lot to you mm-hmm. and to be able to be a part of like, giving that to you and sort of recognizing the level of trust that you were placing in me to be willing to do that with me. Um, yeah, it was, it was really, really cool. And I was so proud of you because I could tell you were really scared and you were still like challenging yourself to do this thing that you wanted because it felt worth it. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but I think it was also, like, it was a way to connect with something that used to be really peaceful mm-hmm. for me. And so, like, that that part was nice. Yeah, that makes sense. That made me think of um, the first time that I met you and I didn't know it was you. 
What is, oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah. Do we want to talk about it at all? Um, we could talk about that a little bit. So we had gone on a trip for work, and I knew that the pieces, Ash at the time, had some kind of trauma history, and I knew that hotels were hard for them. But they hadn't really shared anything more than that with me. And that was fine. Um, but so at, I don't know, two in the morning, maybe? Something like that. Um, there was a knock on my door. And I had not been asleep for very long. Um, and I opened the door, and they are standing there looking terrified and miserable and a mess. And I had this moment of, like, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? Like, my intern is outside my door falling apart at the, in the middle of the night. Like, I have to let them in. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? Um, and you guys came in and, like, stole my blanket. Um, I had this really amazing fuzzy blanket that I brought. We still have it. Yeah, it's on your bed. Well, on the floor in your room, maybe now. Yes, but, but it's in my room. Yes. Um, it was a good blanket, and I had it with me, and um, they stole it and, like, wrapped up in it really tight, and was I think there was, like, a sensory component to it. Yeah. Um, but it was a mess. You guys had flashbacks and um, finally fell asleep eventually, and um, kind of what I ended up doing was, like, feeling like I think even then I had this sense of, like, you guys just felt younger than you were. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't really know what to do with you, except it seemed like you needed someone to just like sit with their arm around you and hold you and let you like shake and have a flashback and whatever you needed to do. And so I just was like, well, that's what we're doing now, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And I think, yeah, for me, it was really helpful that you, like you were just there. You didn't like, make me talk about what I was experiencing really you just like I felt through it and then I grounded and we put on some weird tv and we watched some weird shows that night <laughs> like like late late night tv um, nothing like disturbing or anything no just, it was like, like random and weird and like talking animals and like, yeah it was know. like animal planet or something mm -hmm. I don't know something and animal. the treehouse guy yeah and like hgtv or something I don't know like those kinds of shows um but it was just a good like distraction and a good ability to like be mm -hmm. um without like too much pressure what was it that made you or y'all um knock on my door that night because that was a huge risk I think it was the combination of you starting to feel safer and feel like maybe you were someone who's going to understand this and at this point, we had had a few conversations about the fact that you had, like, been interested in DID and you had um, done some, like, research in it. Or not research. Um, like, My thesis like, talked about yeah, association. Not, yeah. yeah, not, like, clinical research, but, like, your own, like, research into mm -hmm. it and trying to understand it. And um, it just felt like, okay, like, if it's going to be someone, like, this might, this might be it. And that, like gave us comfort mm -hmm. that you were going to be someone who could understand. Also, we felt a little bit like we have to be put back together. <laughs> yes, because we had a presentation. And Oh, no, the presentation, we'd already done the presentation, right? Yeah, but we, but had, we had to, to go. Get back. Yeah, we had We stop. were stopping at the Appleton office. That's right. Okay. Yeah, we were stopping to, like, see people. Yep. 
for something. And so we knew like we couldn't be a total mess in the morning. And there were, we were, we were sharing a room with other interns. So Mm -hmm. which you never did go back to really. You just like ended up collapsing on my bed for the rest of the night. Yeah. And I I do think part of it was we didn't want them to know either. So I was the least of the evils that way. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it was a little bit of like, this is a better option than staying in there. And you had become a very safe person mm-hmm. at that by that point. And I think you guys have talked about how the way that experience went contributed to you guys feeling safe eventually to share with me that you yeah. had people. Yeah, that was a big, and I think, I don't know, that was a big event. And not just for me, but for other people to mm-hmm. see you take care of me. Yeah. That to them was a big deal. I think Jess especially. Well, honestly, I think for like a Jess, you taking me taking care of you meant far more than me taking care of her. Yeah. Um, and I think for you, like, I don't know, to have had the experience of someone like being willing to just hold you, that probably hadn't happened very much in your life, at least on the outside. No, there was always a lot of, I don't know, there wasn't a lot of room for emotions or to really feel anything. And then if you did, there had to be a reason or an explanation or mm-hmm. there was no just like straight comfort really. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think something for like maybe people who are listening to take away from this is like, I'm going to be honest, you guys, like they showed up at my door and I was like, I have no idea what the hell to do for them. Um, I had, they had at that point had not worked with anyone with DID. Um, I just knew some stuff like book learning and stuff about it. And um, I wasn't suspecting that of them yet, but I knew that they had like stuff going on and I wasn't really sure exactly what, where the boundaries were supposed to be and what they needed from me. And it was like all messy in my head. And so what I kind of landed on is, all right, well, I'm just going to be here. And I think through my own experience with trauma and through like talking to you guys and other patients I've talked to, that's the biggest thing. You don't have to respond perfectly. You don't have to say the right things. You can ask a real dumb question. You have, you just, they just, people just need you to be present and be open to figuring it out together versus like thinking you have to have all the answers. And I think that fear of not having all the answers sometimes paralyzes people from being able to support other people. Yeah. People often think they have to know exactly what they're supposed to do. Um, and, and so shout out to Brene Brown and one of her books, she talks about the ability for therapists and people to hold space. And I think that's something mm-hmm. we forget about a lot, the ability to just be present with someone and to not say anything, but to not just sit in silence, to actually be present with mm-hmm. them in the silence. Um, mm-hmm. That's something a lot of people aren't great at mm-hmm. and something that I'll people with trauma and DID and who can't always explain what's going on in their head need. And for me, I can write really well. Um, I can't always put that into words in the moment Mm -hmm. with my thoughts. So I can sit down later, um, sometimes in the moment and let it flow out in writing, but to be able to talk it through and tell you what I need in the moments a lot harder. Mm -hmm. So someone willing to just sit and let that exist um, is a big deal. And that was one of the things that 
you and I did a lot after I first met you was, um, I know I mentioned this when we talked to, with Maddie, but you and Maddie were my baby bunnies and mm-hmm. you would both, um, sometimes as sort of sharing space and sometimes separately would just like curl up into me and just kind of like nestle into my shoulder and we would just be, and very often not even talk, but just mm-hmm. have that like physical connection of like, I'm here and I can feel your physical presence and then that emotional presence at the same time. Yeah, I needed that safe physical contact mm-hmm. without, with it just to like to be that, to be mm-hmm. that. I was here and I was safe. And that to me was one of the most healing things versus like necessarily talking or sharing things. And I think that's maybe something for a future episode to talk about is learning about safe physical contact and and for anyone with trauma, not just with DID, but I think so often there's like a fear of people with trauma having any physical contact or a therapist having any physical contact. Mm-hmm. And now our relationship is not patient therapist. And so like, it's different yeah. than what I would recommend, obviously. But at the same time, like the idea that like touch can be healing and therapeutic and in a variety of different contexts mm-hmm. um, while still, you know, keeping boundaries appropriate and whatever. Um, I think that might be something interesting to explore a little bit down the road. Yeah, I think we hear trauma and especially sexual trauma. And we think jump away, don't touch, mm-hmm. like, don't be near. And to me, that just continues to send the message that there's something inherently wrong. Mm-hmm with physical contact and you have to be careful with it. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean like go start hugging and like having a ton of physical contact with someone that has trauma. Um, But the ability to just exist like in close proximity and to learn those boundaries and let the person with trauma explore a healthy way Mm -hmm. to connect with someone like that for me was like, initially I was just able to kind of like sit next to you and curl in your blanket. And then like, Mm -hmm. I could like have your arm around me and, Mm -hmm then eventually I could just nestle in and that was like a safe spot. Um, But like my ability, like the space for me to figure that out was really Mm -hmm. important. Well, and I think the like conversations about touch in general, right? Like we've had conversations about like, if I'm ever hugging you and it feels uncomfortable or you feel like whatever, and that things like that did happen, not necessarily just with you, but with other people where like I would hug someone and for some reason it would be triggering that day for that person or my hand would brush a certain spot on their neck or, you know, all of those things. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I think I'm going to, I'm going to fall down a rabbit hole. We shouldn't, we shouldn't do this. It's about you. Um, and you are a lovely little baby bunny. And um, I, so most of the time Ray doesn't need that for me anymore, but every now and then she'll have something going on and she'll come out and just want that, that snuggle. And, sort of like when you're a mom and your kid's growing up and they still want you to like snuggle them at that time. That's a little bit how that feels for me. I'm so proud of her. I'm so proud of how much she's grown. And it's still nice when every now and then my baby bunny just needs to kind of curl up and have a snuggle. She's snuggling me now. Um, I had another thing. What was it? Hmm. It was something about when I was meeting you. And that, like, meeting you as you. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember what it was. Do you have any thoughts on, like, the whole process of, like, coming out as yourself and being known? Anything you want to share at this point about that? For me, it was helpful to have just do some of the initial 
Um, like, I think she gave you my name and mm -hmm. a little bit, like, what I look like and mm -hmm. um, just yeah, told you a little bit about me. And that, to me, I think, like, some people, like, Amy wanted to come out and just be like, this is me, yeah. I'm Amy. <laughs> um, but f for me, to have someone else be able to give you a little mm -hmm. bit of information was helpful. And so systems need to figure that out for themselves. Mm -hmm. And each individual person is going to need something different, yeah. potentially. So I think for, for people with DID to be willing to have that internal conversation and to choose how different people are introduced is, mm -hmm. is important. And to people to have the ability to say, I need someone else to, to introduce me and mm -hmm. to share about me. And then to dictate, like, what they share. What they share. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, I was just thinking, because there were a lot of things I didn't know about you um, that she could have told me, but mm -hmm. that it wasn't really time for me to know yet. Um, but I do think, and I don't remember if it was for you, but for some people, at least, like Jess or some of the others, shared, like, these are words that are potentially triggering, or these are some things, like, essentially, like, the don't do ums. Mm -hmm. And that was helpful, too, because it helped me not to accidentally do something that was going to make you feel unsafe in those early stages of developing a sense of safety. Yeah. Whereas like now, if I said one of those triggering words or touched you in a place that not necessarily sexually placed, but like a, a spot that was triggering from trauma. Yeah. Um, it would be much different because you know me and you know, you're safe with me. Yeah. The conversation we could have would be a mm -hmm. lot different. Yeah. Well, and you'd have feel like you had the voice to say like, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's like just an important piece that develops over time in any kind of relationship. Um, but certainly if you're trying to be like best friends and live in the same house, it's good to know, like if I plop down on the couch next to you, you probably don't want, I don't know, my feet pushing on your stomach or whatever. Mm -hmm. Kind of going along with that, being able to talk about like what feels safe or not safe you've been one of the pieces that's had some some struggles with safety concerns in general, and that's not necessarily something for us to go into in depth today. Um, but I'm wondering for people, like for parts who might have some of those those concerns, do you have any advice for them in like how they talk about it or like what they would say to somebody to let them know they were, they were struggling a little bit? And, and I didn't prep her for this question, so I'm sorry. You, 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 you earlier. did. Um, internally or externally? Either. Just like, how do you, how would you recommend them getting some support? Because I think that a lot of times there's a sense of like, I'm, I should be trying to figure this out and not tell people either internally or externally. Yeah. I mean, I think with, um, I think I've had more self-harm than suicidal stuff, but there's definitely been a, a good amount of both. Um, you've, I think one of the biggest things is you have to find someone who has experience with it and who understands it if you're looking for a therapist. Mm -hmm. So if you are seeing a therapist, and this is just my personal opinion, mm -hmm. so this is my advice, take it or leave it. If you're seeing a therapist who tells you you just have to stop cutting or <laughs> like just, just don't do that, just don't do that, they're not going to help you. Like I, I just because that's not realistic because it's serving a purpose. And so you need someone who has truly worked with that and understands it and can talk about it mm -hmm. and be comfortable talking about yeah, it. Yeah. And who can maybe like joke about it a little or 
be a little bit morbid about it if you need to be, or however you need to address it. But someone who isn't going to openly talk about it with you and explore it and be willing to hear what those thoughts are Mm -hmm. and be willing to understand that you self-harming is nothing to do with them as a therapist Mm -hmm. and can accept that it's going to happen sometimes that to me is the most helpful from a professional standpoint. I agree. And I think, I guess the same as with people in your life, um, a lot of people probably aren't going to understand it. So being able to explain to them what you need from them, whether it's like, I'm like, I mean, if I tell you I'm struggling, I need you to distract me or giving them Mm -hmm. something that they can do. um, That's actually helpful to you because they, they might not know what to do with it. Honestly, probably won't know unless they have their own experience. And a lot of people aren't taught what to do with it. No, even therapists. Yeah. So I think from that, externally that that's my mm-hmm. advice i think that's good advice and could maybe be its whole own oh, probably episode, more than one episode i bet yeah. um we should really be writing down all these things that occur to us to be episodes <laughs> we're gonna have to like re-listen to all of our <laughs> all of our podcasts to remember the things we want to talk about later um internally i think it's good to be honest and it, it's definitely a hard thing because i think you still worry about the judgment internally because those are your people and finding the people that can help you manage your safety, whether that's like for me and Maddie, we share each other's stuff a little. So like if one of us is struggling more than the other, we can kind of siphon some of it off a little if bit. If he's just going to say siphon off some <laughs> of it to the other person to hold a little bit more of the emotion or whatever it is that we need them to hold so we can manage. And then to have people who are going to kick your butt inside, mm-hmm. um, well, sometimes kick you out and say, like, you need to go talk to this Yeah, person. or or kick you out and say, like, go like go talk to so-and-so. Like, you need to tell whoever. Um, and if someone's, like, going out and harming the body and it's really triggering to other people and they're not willing to talk about it, I think, like, uh, there were a couple times where I had people tattle on me and in the moment it really pissed me off. <laughs> um... <laughs> like really and like, I really get a kick out of it when they tattle on each other and we, I'm so much less often now we would we've definitely thought about it and if someone in your body is truly unsafe and like their actions might hurt the body which means mm-hmm. the rest of you no longer exist then someone needs to know because I think it's a really big decision for one person in the body to harm the body well especially at a like risk of life like, I think yeah, and, and it's I mean, one thing to bleed a little, but another thing to potentially kill everybody in your system. Like, that's yeah, and that's a lot. So I I think it's so – and I think making sure it's someone, though, that isn't just going to, like, yell at them. like Or the, just throw them in the hospital immediately. Yeah, someone that's going to let someone know who is a true support and who can, like, talk to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and – so in the context, well, maybe it's another episode. Never mind. <laughs> I keep wanting to fall down rabbit holes with you. Because I'm your bunny. You are my bunny. Aw. Oh, look at it. I brought that full you circle. You did do that full circle. Well, stop pulling me down your holes. That didn't sound it good. It didn't sound good. Down the bunny holes? Does that make it better? Yes. Okay. Stop pulling me down the bunny holes. I think 
Yeah, I think that um, it's funny because I think Ray thinks that she doesn't have that much to say, and I think that I'm going to be pulling her into future episodes because I think that she actually has far more to say than she gives herself credit for sometimes, and I think she's far more well-spoken than she feels like she is. And I I mean, that's true for lots of people, whether they have, you know, one person in their body or a lot of people in their body. I like kind of like you, and I think you're great and stuff, you know? Oh, now you complimented me and made it all awkward. Not for me. Is it awkward for you? Just let my silence speak for itself. Many of you guys struggle to accept compliments. Yeah, I think that's a that's a trauma thing. I, on the other hand, well, I guess sell at accepting compliments. Not, yeah, uh huh. I'm really good at it. Yeah. Why don't you give yourself a real compliment right now? And I just will be like, "Yes, I know. I am pretty amazing." And then I move on. You, you, she accepts the sarcastic compliments she gives herself. What? No. Yes. Um, I don't know if it's trauma exactly. I do think trauma is a big piece of, is linked to it. But I think it's also just self-esteem too. Mm-hmm. Is like you can struggle with compliments without trauma. So I don't want to say it's just trauma. I think trauma adds another layer to it. And I think a little bit of like relational trust too. Like if yeah. you haven't had. Even not from, like, a traumatic perspective, but, like, if you haven't had relationships where you felt really valued and seen, it's harder to accept a compliment. Well, it's harder to believe someone's sincere mm-hmm. in their compliments. Agreed. They're not just saying it because it's what they should say or what they think you should hear. Yes. Well, and, like, between, like, me and your body, often one of us will give a compliment and the other one will be like, yeah, you're crazy. And that's kind of, like, become the way we accept compliments from each other. Like, we don't argue with it anymore. It's just, like, this, like... It's really hard for me to believe that, but, like, thanks. Kind of a response. Yeah, I think we've gotten to a place where we can at least accept that we do believe the other person believes it. Mm-hmm. They just are crazy. We just maybe don't <laughs> agree with them yet. Yes, which I do think is progress. It, it really is. Mm-hmm. Really, we're growing. Yes, we've all grown so much. And I think that's, I don't know, been a theme throughout like our friendship is just like the way we've challenged each other to grow as human beings um, has been a big part of why like why it works I guess yeah all right well right I think maybe that we should release Ray to be done talking (laughs) she said to me it was really cute she's like I don't think I'm gonna talk for very long and I was like yeah that's totally fine and here we are like 38 minutes in. Well, I didn't think I would. You did great. So thank you. So someday I'm going to get Ray to share some of her poetry with you because it's amazing. She's not there yet and that's super fair, but hopefully someday we'll get to a place where she feels comfortable um, sharing a little bit more openly some of that that work because like I said, I, I, I guess I'm not a poetry critic, but I think it's really well done and it really speaks to the the emotions that Ray and the others in her body have experienced. And I think a lot of people listening will probably feel like it kind of describes some of the things they've experienced too. So anyway, um, if you have any questions for my good friend Ray here, or if you have questions for me somehow connected to this episode, or if you have questions for someone else not from this episode, whatever, if you want to talk to us, we would love to talk to you. We would. You can message us on some of the podcast platforms. You can also send us an email at mypuzzlepiecespodcast at gmail.com. 
The email will be in the description so you don't have to remember it. And yeah, you can feel free to reach out to any of us individually, us as a whole, um, to Liz, really no, like, any question we can take. And if it's like a specific question for a specific person, like throw that in the subject or somewhere so that we can make sure it gets funneled to the right person. If it's more of just a general question, then kind of, you know, whoever feels most like able to respond to it probably will, or like they have the best I don't know, response. Mm -hmm. um but yeah we would we would love to talk about it and i think that's something that i really like about this is that there really isn't like a wrong question mm -hmm. and something i've learned working not working but like working through figuring things out with you guys i guess is like questions are better than no questions yeah it's really better to ask and for us to explain than for you to not ask and to try to figure it out on your own or just like assume at some point you're gonna understand it or or to be like embarrassed that you don't know or that you don't remember something so that then you say something stupid and talk out your ass and then everyone's mad at you because you didn't remember something that should have been like super important. Because I think in general, and I think this is true for all relationships, but especially when you're trying to navigate having a relationship with multiple people in one body, like you're going to forget stuff. Yeah. And in general, people just want you to be honest and be like, I don't know this thing. Somebody tell me again, and I'll try to remember. So, I don't have any personal history of people forgetting things that made me upset. That's definitely not why I got fired up about that. No? No. That never happened in my life. Um, anyway, so that's all we got for tonight, you guys. Thank you for listening. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and I think our next episode will be Lily, right? Yeah, maybe. All right. I'm pretty sure it's Lily. Lily's so. pretty great. Lily's got like magic superpowers, you guys. Lily's Not really, really but it, cool. it feels like she has magic superpowers, and I'm real excited to tell you all about it next time. She's good. She'll have a lot to say. Yeah, she will. She's a talker. She's fun. All right. All we're right. Really done now. Yeah, for real. We'll we'll stop rambling. I think. <laughs> I think so. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.